Hey, this is Liam Burns, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Junior. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside wrap. Oh, scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, Pro Lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm your host, Hutton Jackson, at Hutton Jackson on Twitter. We have my co-host, Adam Moore, at Adam Moore. PLT on Twitter, and we're back to recap the busiest weekend in pro field across history. We had 11 games. That's the most in a single weekend in pro across history. Um, it's going to be broken in two weeks uh, when the PLL mm-hmm. travels to Albany and AU is in their final week. Um, so we're going to have 12 games that weekend, uh, even yep. more, you know, and, you know, maybe we'll get some more Adam in uh, the NLL as well. We're going to have 14 teams. That's minimum of seven games in a weekend. Um, yep. usually if all teams are playing, but you know how teams play doubleheaders often too. So we may reach similar numbers when the NLL rolls around as well, but uh, thoughts on how much games we had this weekend thoughts on any of this news. I know we're going to get into some trade news. We're going to get some injury news. We're going to recap the PLL. Um, we're going to get into athletes unlimited week two and look ahead to week three as well. Give our picks as usual. I made some ground in the standings. You're still a little bit ahead mm-hmm. of me. Um, but you know, we'll, well, I'm getting a little bit closer to, uh, you know, those crab cakes, but give me your overall thoughts on a, a busy weekend in pro lacrosse. Yeah, man. It was just a fantastic weekend overall. You know, you were glued to your TV, whether, or your, uh, iPad or your computer for, for the whole weekend, man. It really, uh, your schedule starting to fill up with all these games. It, it's been pretty awesome when, whether it was, a uh, you know, catching a game, uh, on, on the DVR or, uh, watching it live. It was fantastic to follow along. Lax Twitter was on fire this weekend. So it was going and it, it's been great to, to see this much support for, for both the AU and the PLL. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. All the PLL games this weekend, unfortunately, were on Peacock. Um, so if you have Peacock, you're you know sitting fine. But uh, through the Olympics, they weren't able to have any televised. Sure. Um, but the nice thing is, you know, you were able to watch lacrosse kind of whenever you wanted. Now, yep. I was fortunate that I got to watch most of these games live um, throughout the entire weekend, which is actually, ironically, a first for me um, this whole season. I tend to get most of the games. Um, I tend to then rewatch the ones I end up missing just because of my sure. schedule, working weekends and stuff. But um, I got to catch a lot of them this weekend, which was really nice. But yeah, that's a nice thing for a casual fan. You know, you don't have to watch all the games, but if you're itching for some pro lacrosse, you, you pretty much are set, you know, starting Friday afternoon, you know, in the evening with the AU all the way through the end of Sunday, you know, I had a triple header on Sunday um, that was due to weather delays on Saturday for the PLL, but we had yep. three games there. So as early as uh, 9.15 central time uh, and 11.15 Eastern time, you're able to start watching lacrosse all yep. the way up into the final game at 4.45. So uh, yeah, it, it was a busy weekend. It was a fun weekend. And this PLL playoff picture really started to take shape. Yeah. Um, you know, well, let's go through the standings, I guess, right here. Atlas sit at top. They win. They're getting that first round by Adam, which I think is Huge. obviously, you know, on their mind. I think Coach Rubio kind of downplayed, you know, the fact that they, they were sitting at the top and that they could uh, secure that. They've been k- taking it one game at a time, and they did their job, you know, this weekend winning both their games. But uh, they win. They get that first round by. But they're playing a Water Dogs team that uh, – 
wants that buy as well. Um, and if the water dogs win, they have a very solid chance because they have a plus 12 gold differential. Now it will depend on how the archers do in both their games, how the redwoods do in both their games and the whip snakes too. If they win both their games pretty handily, they could maybe make up, but they have a negative 12 gold differential. So a little bit harder for them to get yep. that, um, top seed. I think I read somewhere from Joe Keegan that it's like a 1% chance, um, that they get the top seed. So even if they do win both their games pretty handedly, um, you know, other teams could also perform and it's going to be tough for them to get that. So really looking at, you know, Atlas water dogs, and I'd say archers right now, Redwoods again, still kind of have a chance, but, um, you know, they have a tough stretch in this weekend as well. Um, and then, you know, chaos ended up sneaking in as well due to the fact that the cannons lost their game and the Chrome yep. lost both their game. Um, so that set up, I think was the perfect scenario, you know, obviously not for a cannons or Chrome fan, but mm-hmm. Cannons Chrome are playing for a playoff spot. They are playing in their final weekend uh, matchup is between each other. Um, and you couldn't ask for, you know, playoffs have come early. You could say for this uh, Albany weekend. So I'm, you know, everyone's going to be glued to that matchup. I mean, all these matchups are going to be great. You get another Redwoods whip snakes matchup, um, which we'll see uh, a new addition to the whip snakes and Justin Gutterding. We'll get that a little bit later. Um, and, you know, another archers whip snakes matchup, um redwoods chaos was a good one this earlier this year they have a little bit of history mm-hmm. so overall you know atlas water dogs competing for that top seed essentially like it's another going to be jam-packed weekend in yep. albany and uh certainly looking forward to those games as well any any thoughts from these standings i know your water dogs are, are sitting right there at the top I, I know we'd like not to pick favorites yeah you know when covering the league but we have our biases uh any thoughts adam on the standings right now yeah i picked the underdog in in every game last week because i wanted uh absolute chaos going into the last week but but i kind of got it right i was uh as i said on twitter i was three in atlas last week <laughs> i was i was three and two uh when it comes uh to, to last week games the atlas uh crushed it and uh We'll, we'll talk about uh, our game picks later, but um, yeah, no, I obviously I'm a big water dogs fan because two of my favorite players in the league in Dylan Ward uh, and on the other end or both ends uh, in Zach Courier. So um, I'm just really excited that because of the way uh, the score differential works, it could be a number of teams at the top mm-hmm. when it comes, when all is said and done at the end of the weekend. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I hinted at it a little bit, uh, some news surrounding this weekend that didn't actually involve the weekend. I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Justin yeah. Gutterding was a healthy scratch in these Chrome games. Um, we didn't really know he was a healthy scratch until after the fact too. Yeah. You know, it was kind of odd not seeing him out there. It wasn't really a lot of publicity around it, um, which I thought, you know, was odd. They obviously had the addition of Dylan Malloy um, on that righty spot. Yep. Um, so, you know, they were obviously not, you know, they obviously added an offensive weapon despite not having, you know, their offensive weapon guttering there and guttering hasn't had a, a great year all around but uh yeah i think interesting enough we didn't know he was a healthy scratch we didn't find that out till after the fact and that was because he ended up getting traded to the whip snakes for nick grill now the post game guys they broke this news first on monday night and ended up going official on tuesday so credit to them they are now two for three so they're above 500 uh you know they obviously the jeff teat kind of put them back into their their place they kind of you know dug a hole and, and stayed down, uh, you know, not avoiding all breaking news for a little while. They get back in the breaking news game. They had Rob Pinnell earlier this year as breaking news as well, that trade. So um, they break the news first, but yeah, Gutterding going to the whip snakes uh, gets reunited with Brad Smith there. Um, it led a lot of people to believe that, you know, Matt Rambo's injury might be more serious than originally thought too, but uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, you know, his status, but thoughts on this Gutterding trade. I, I was pretty shocked. I honestly don't like the trade that much. I'll get, give my thoughts, but let me hear from you on, on your thoughts on the trade and, you know, what the Whipsnakes get in Gutterding and, you know, what the Chrome get in Nick Grill. 
Yeah, you know, I, I do think Nick Grill was an awesome player, but I do think uh, Coach Staggs wins this one, right? And just in terms of uh, a need potentially at the moment, right, on offense w- with uh, adding a guy like Justin Gutterding. Um, but, you know, if Coach Sudo uh, likes a guy like Grill, who am I to, to say that's a, a bad swap, right? I think uh, Coach Sudo uh, sees something in a really strong player in Grill, and I think he'll definitely uh, benefit that all defense could use a guy like him, and I think it's a, a good pickup for them. I don't know if uh, the loss outweighs uh, the addition, but um, it could be looking at kind of the seasons going forward, not just this year, but, uh, you know, they added a guy uh, in the offseason in Randy Stotts who's one of uh, the best players in the world. He'll obviously be coming off an injury, and Jordan Wolf will be back. Um, and with guys like Jackson Morrill, um, you know, being a really strong rookie this year and a guy coming over from the MLL and Colin Heacock playing well, uh, that attack side for for the Chrome is getting uh, pretty packed. So maybe they're just looking forward, you know, Coach Sudo's looking forward to, to next season and to see what they have and maybe get some value, but uh, out of uh, a trade uh, in Gutterding. But uh, I was surprised that uh, the trade maybe didn't have a pick or uh, maybe another addition to it when it comes back to what the Chrome received. Yeah, no, and I, you know, I'll preface before I kind of rip this trade um, that trades in the PLL, as I, you know, I said this with the Brent Adams trade, I said this with a lot of trades. Uh, I think this one is probably the most, you know, outlandish example. But you know, if there's going to be a trade that's going to happen between players, it's going to probably be a little bit lopsided. There's too few teams, and if players are really looking to make a move then they're going to have to be willing to give up something, you know, and the, the value that they put on players is different than what we are perceived value. Now, you know, I think they're that, you know, the Chrome could have definitely got a lot more out of this trade, but again, I wouldn't trade them at all. Um, you know, you did mention they do have a lot of offensive pieces. So, you know, they still have a lot of depth at that position. I wouldn't say necessarily on the lefty side. I know they sure, moved probably sure. down a little bit, but um, the reason I don't like this trade is because, you know, first off, I think Gutterding is worth more than Nick Grill, and that's not deserving Nick Grill. Nick Grill's only played in a handful of games for the Whip Snakes. Um, I don't think he's going to be a difference maker on the defensive end. I think he'll, he'll play well. Um, he has some history with Jesse Bernhardt, who's currently out. But, you know, if you're looking towards the future, like, that's, you know, great. You know, you know obviously, he's coached by Jesse. Um, so there's definitely some history there. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a bad move. Again, I don't think Nick Grill is a bad player. So um, it's not really what they're getting. It's just I felt that I could get more. You know, maybe you trade for – Nick Rowe and Ryan Tierney, you know, replace that lefty side, you know, somebody that's a, a little bit, it hasn't honestly had that m- much production. He got his first goal uh, of his PLL career with the whip snakes this, this, uh, this weekend. So maybe add him, you know, and maybe if coach Dag's like, nah, I, I'm not giving up two players for one, you throw in a, you know, a fourth rounder with Justin Gutterding and, and get that return. I just think they could have gotten a little bit more, get, gotten a pick something a little bit more. I mean, he, he's a founding member of that Chrome team. Um, you know, and I, I just think even if he was having a bit of a down year, it just, it felt like an odd move to me, but where I really didn't like this trade is less about the terms and, you know, the details around it, but the fact that Kevin Brown, you know, said that he was a healthy scratch for these two games because they were planning on trading him. So why not trade him prior to the weekend and, you know, get Nick Rowe for those two, two games or play him, you know, for those two games to help Like if the whole goal is to add, you know, a defensive piece to kind of give yourself, you know, that final playoff push, you know, against the cannons, why not make it earlier? You know, if you feel comfortable on the offense um, or play gutterding, obviously there's some risk if he gets injured and that trade falls through, but the dude can help you win those two games. And then you're sitting better than where you're at. You know, again, I'm not saying that Justin gutterding playing would have won them those games. Atlas beat them pretty handedly. 
Um, and they came back against the chaos, but again, that was still, you know, a gutsy comeback by them that I still think that neither team really looked that great. So I'm not saying really like gutter would have made the difference. I just think it's, it's weird. Like, you know, Doug Greenberg, our friend on battle on lacrosse tweeted out that that's 22% of crumbs games that guttering missed, you know, yeah. it's like, there's so few games that having someone be a healthy scratch for a weekend when you play two games just feels like a head scratcher to me. So I really was not a fan of the trade. Thought they could have gotten more. I think it's a huge win for the whip snakes. Um, I think he's going to, you know, fit in seamlessly with that offense on the lefty side, especially if in Rambo's absence, uh, you know, you can have Brad Smith back on attack with, with him. Um, you have a lot of options there. Obviously Chris is um, on that offense. Uh, Zed Williams has obviously been playing well, still missing that presence of Rambo though. Um, but it sounds like they might get Rambo back relatively soon. Now, Albany's still up in the air. He's still questionable. Um, we'll toss this some sound with coach Stagnito, where he talks a little bit about, um, you know, his thought process and, and where, you know, they, they're looking to get Rambo back for Albany. But again, we've, we're hearing that it's, he's, his status is still doubtful for that game, uh, those two games this weekend. And, you know, th- they're already in the playoffs. So as much as they would like to increase their seating, if you're not getting the top seed, which they only have a 1% chance of getting right now, um, you know, it's probably smart to rest them for another week. Um, but we are hearing that he should, should at least be back for their Salt Lake City uh, weekend when they, you know, start the playoffs. So that's a good sign. You know, there's some rumors that he might miss the entire season. That's not true. It sounds like he's going to be able to come back for the the playoff push. So that's a good sign. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, train for gutterding helps this offense tremendously. I think that doesn't mean like, you know, he's been traded to replace Rambo or, you know, I, that Rambo's injury is that much more serious. I, I think it's just another piece for this offense and something they can switch up because they have not looked good on the offensive end. Um, defense has also been, you know, a little bit suspect too. Kyle Burnler has just not been playing like he has, like his not his normal self. But um, you know, that those are our thoughts on the trade. Again, not a huge fan. Um, I, I, again, when you're grading PLL trades, though, there's only eight teams. So if a deal is going to get done, it's not like Gutterding wasn't really probably going to go to any other team. I was shocked that he even went to the Lip Snakes. But these trades tend to be like, all right. You know, Coach Sudan, if he wants to move Gutterding and the Whip Snakes, you know, are interested and they give an offer, he can't really go to, you know, a lot of other teams. Like, and there's not many other teams that were probably going to get, you know, he was able to make a deal with. So you're kind of limited in your options. And I think that's why you see some lopsided deals like this. This Gutterding trade to me felt a lot like a baseball trade that you would be making if they, you know, you had, let's say Gutterding is going to be a free agent next year. Yeah. Let's say his contract's big. Okay. You want to move him, you know, for some young pieces like Nick grill, build up that defense a little bit, you know, replenish like your, your rookies or whatever, replenish your young players. Not that Gutterding's old by any stretch of the imagination, but um, you know, that would make a lot of sense to me to make that type of move, you know, kind of seeing what the Cubs did. They traded a lot of their former, you know, stars that are you know kind of in the middle of their careers or whatever, but with the PLL, these contracts are with the league. So Honestly, a lot of these players, if they resign with the league, they're on your team indefinitely. Gutterding would have been on the Chrome indefinitely, you know, until yep. they decided to move them. That's really the only way you get moved is if you get traded or if you get released to the player pool and then picked up. So that's why this trade is kind of weird, but it, it reminded me of an MLB type of deal though, like that you see at the deadline. And this MLB deadline was absolutely bonkers this uh this season. So yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. Like it kind of read the same way, but again, when you're not dealing with money, like, you know, you're only moving guttering to get an asset in return. You're not, yep. you know, moving his contract to the whip snakes. Yep. You know, you're not moving him to get, you know, some 
people in return because he's going to be a free agent next season. So I would like to see that come into the league. I think we're a few years away from that. Um, that's just, you know, the nature of pro lacrosse right now, but let's talk a little bit about that Chrome Atlas game. Dylan Malloy yeah. makes his debut. He played really well in that opening debut. Um, and again, like they, they needed a kind of a spark. Um, they still have their issues are, you know, twofold in many different ways. So that's sure. why even him playing well, wasn't really solving the issue. Um, so, you know, and Trevor Baptiste absolutely dominated this weekend. We'll get to his record setting day, um, yeah. you know, as well, but um, overall, it was kind of disappointing to see the Chrome just come out and really lay an egg. I know we thought Dylan Malloy was going to add, you know, bigger impact and he played well, but what were your thoughts on the Chrome kind of just fizzling in this game, you know, and obviously give the credit to the Atlas. They're a wagon right now, but thoughts overall on this game. Yeah. I, I as much as it was the Chrome, not, not really putting it together as they, as they have uh, kind of a majority of the season, like the Atlas are just completely dominant, right? You know, we, other than that week one uh, loss, uh, they, they've been dominant the, the entire season. And I mean, Trevor Baptiste, talk about a guy uh, in a position that if you're on, it means so much. He was 25 of 30 from the stripe uh, in this one and uh, broke the record uh, for uh, most face-off wins in a game with this one. So, uh, and ground balls in a single game at 19. So that was absolutely dominant. Um, so let's hear from Trevor uh, about those records. This is the first time I'm here about that, so um, I didn't really think too much about it. I, it means a lot, you know. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's cliche to say, but it's so true. You know, we we got a great group, and we had great wing play. I think a lot of times there's a lot of plays that go unnoticed. You know, me picking up ground balls. It's Peter Durth coming in, first game of the season, boxing out the wing guys. It's Chick, you know, telling me where the green space is. Um, and Danny, you know, coming out here and battling and it's it's amazing so they they make it really easy so obviously you heard trevor he gives a lot of you know love to his teammates as well but uh congrats to him on a, on a big day and he you know absolutely dominated this weekend um overall this team again is it, just so dominant um you know i i think that top seed is theirs to lose they're gonna have a tough test against the water dogs won't be easy but overall this team is playing at a you know, high level. And if Trevor Baptiste continues to win them possessions, like they're going to be able to just continue to put up points. And this defense has been playing really, really well as well. So credit to the Atlas for holding them to 10. They've held their last three opponents to 10 goals um, a piece. So, you know, JD Kyle Russo playing really well in Jack yeah, and Cannon's absolutely. absence. So give him a lot of credit as well. But overall this, this Atlas team is, is a force to be reckoned with um, moving on to some other, big teams in the archers and redwoods. This was probably my favorite matchup of the weekend. The one that I was looking forward to the most. And we had to wait two years for it too. The last matchup was in 2019 playoffs um, where, you know, Tom Schreiber notably injured his collarbone, had to, you know, exit after the, you know, the first half um, and the redwoods ended up, you know, putting the, you know, the dagger in the, the archers and, and moving on and going eventually to the championship. But uh, this game was at, at as advertised. Um, it was back and forth. We saw the Redwoods, who are notoriously not, you know, a transition team, score some transition goals, uh, had a little bit of everything. It was played in the rain, so just the whole atmosphere was fun to watch. Marcus Holman had a sick goal that um, the splash. I mean, there was probably a splash zone in the fans section because he just that rip just let water fly everywhere. And I know people have been talking how we just need to, you know, wet the goals. Yeah, man. During even the dry games. <laughs> yeah, my guy Mike Keneally from from East Coast Dies always tweets. 
like it has to be uh, wet down. The, the goals have to be down because it looks sick when uh, shots come off. And I absolutely uh, agree with Mike on that one. So that snapshot uh, and, and picture uh, of Marcus's goal is pretty wild. Yeah, just hose those goals down, you know, in between quarters, I think. And uh, yeah, and just and give that, give us a little bit more uh, from those goals. But um, yeah, overall, you know, the Archers looked really, really good. Trey LeClaire had a great game. He had a, a hat trick, the rookie, and he looked really good on those pick and rolls, um, you know, that, that yep. the Archers are known for. And, uh, you know, guy Ryan Ambler played well, as too, played well too. But I think the, the, the big story from the Archers, I think, not only in this game, but in their season, is their efficiency on offense. They shot 35% on the day, um, and that's allowed them to stay in games and win games because they have still been do- getting dominated at the stripe. I think that's an area of concern for them going forward and that they're going to have to address this offseason. Um, you know, Stephen Kelly is playing well enough, you know, against opponents of his skill set, but, like, going up against guys like Trevor and TD, um, it, you know, it, it's been tough for him. And TD dominated. He had 74% faceoff percentage. Yeah. Um, he contributed to that for the Redwoods. Um, so, uh, you know, overall the Redwoods dominated the faceoff battle, but they weren't able to convert that, um, again, credit to the archers defense that's been playing so well this throughout the year. And a lot of that is in due part to Adam Gittleman who had a great game. He had 16 saves and 63% save percentage as well. So, um, kudos to them. I think the archers, you know, they obviously got off to a three, no start, got knocked down a peg a little bit, losing three straight. Um, and I think a little bit of that was, you know, I had to do some soul searching. So let's listen to Marcus Holman, who kind of talks a little bit about um, what the archers did to pre- prepare for this game. It's almost like a new season, you know, just like with how much time we've had since our last loss with a bye week and an all-star game. So I think for a lot of guys, just a chance to reset, um, you know, and get ready for this, this second half push of the season. I think, you know, I mentioned to Chantel out on the field, like humility is something we talk about as an organization. Like, you know, when you think of our, our captain and our leader, Tom Schreiber, like one of the most humble guys in the game. Um, I think maybe we got away from that a little early in the season, you know. Uh, and I was really proud of our guys just being able, to, I think, to come back to that value of our, our team and our organization and just play tough tonight, you know, and just pl- scrap in between the lines and not expect anything. You got to, you really have to earn everything in this league, like every ground ball, every goal, you know, every stick check, every knockdown. Um, and I, I just felt like we had that vibe tonight that energy and you know I think we played a a full game so it feels good you know to have a playoff spot clinched and uh you know another week off and then we'll get ready for our doubleheader weekend so obviously Marcus talks a little bit about the humility that they kind of brought back um you know I I think that's a good I'm glad to hear them like kind of admit that because I thought it was odd you know they win that third game against the water dogs um pretty handedly and they're popping champagne in the locker room which is great and all you know to celebrate wins but you know probably a little bit premature when you're, you know, only three games in and they got knocked down a peg a little bit, lost three straight by one goal, um, came back out and, you know, had a big win against the Redwoods that they needed. So, uh, you know, kudos to them for recognizing, doing a little soul searching, you know, during the break and uh, they came out and got that much needed win. Any thoughts on, uh, on this game though, Adam? Yeah. Only one thing, you know, I, I mentioned uh, Marcus's goal and you, you mentioned Adam Gittleman. Uh, he had a busy, busy weekend. He was up at Lake Placid kind of showing off uh, the, lack sixes so he was in cage for that as well so he, he had a super busy weekend excited to see what he does uh he's having an awesome season uh for the archers really looking forward to see uh him back in the playoffs soon 
Yeah, and you know that game didn't disappoint despite the the weather delay that was really yeah. long. Ended up pushing this Water Dogs Whipsnakes game um, to the next day, which we saw a little bit of sluggishness from both those teams because of that. They were playing at nine fifteen in the morning after thinking they were going at Saturday on Saturday. So, sure. and and you know what I always say: what's better than two lacrosse games? Three lacrosse games. Three so, lacrosse. Games. Uh, it, it only it only makes sense that it w- it was a busy weekend and uh, a lot of fun on Sunday to watch three awesome games. Yeah, triple header from the PLL, double header from Athletes Unlimited. We'll talk about Athletes Unlimited a little bit later. Uh, but let's talk this Water Dogs Whipsnakes game. Again, very sluggish. A goal wasn't scored until over eight minutes of play. Um, that was Jay Carlson, who ended up having three of the Whipsnakes' first four goals. Um, they go on a 4 1 run to kind of start the game. And it looked like, you know, maybe they were kind of getting back in rhythm. Um, Jay Carlson doing Jay Carlson things around the crease. But after that point, it was all Water Dogs. And a lot of that's in due part to Dylan Ward. Honestly, the, the game could have been more than four to one if he hadn't, you know, really made some big saves early yeah. on. And that kind of just let the Water Dogs hang around. And once they got going, they they never looked back. Um, Dylan Ward had a 19 save performance. This offense that was, you know, missing Connor Kelly played pretty, really, really well. It, like, it was nice to see Kieran McArdle, who's kind of had a, a bumpy season, um, up and down, in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, he played really, really well. He had a two-pointer. Ryland Reese had a two-pointer. They both had back-to-back. Um, to, you know, they contributed back-to-back two-pointers for the Water Dogs. But I think the story, Adam, was this defense. Um, you know, they've kind of started to gel and found, I think, their starters in Liam Burns, Eli Gobrick, and Ben Randall. I think those are, you know, those are the three guys we thought would start. And they kind of, you know, went through trying things out with Sabia, who still played, and uh, BJ Grill. But I think those are their three top guys. And, you know, they've combined for five cost turnovers in the day. But I will toss it to you to talk about Dylan Ward because he had a huge day. And we've been singing his praises all year, but tell me what you've seen from him that leads you to believe he, he's the Dylan Ward we, we missed so much. Yeah, you know, I mean, I talked about Trevor, right, with the Atlas picking it up at the right time, and he 100% uh, is catching fire in those sweatpants at the perfect time uh, for Water Dogs fans, right? Joe Keegs pointed out that first five games of the season, he had a, a just under a 40% save percentage. Uh, he's almost at 68% uh, in his last three games. He, he is an absolute beast in cage right now, doing everything uh, in front of a dominant defense, right? What, what the, the best combo is a great defense and a great uh, goalie, right? So uh, it, it's he's picking it up at the perfect time for this Waters Dog squad who, who's gelling at the right time. Yeah, no, and I think another area that they really dominated at was the stripe. Yeah. Jake Withers played really, really well against Joe Nardella, and those two are the, the best, you know, in, at the faceoff, um, in losing the clamp. And I forget the stat that out there and, you know, that I'm going to be kicking myself for not doing a little research beforehand, but I believe Jake Withers is over 50% after losing the clamp. So like, even if he loses the clamp, he still has a better chance of winning the faceoff yeah. after. And that's a lot in due part to, you know, his wing play with Ryan Reese and Zach Kerr as well, yeah. but he's just a grinder at the stripe and uh, you know, a lot of credit to him um, in what he was able to do for this team. They're getting hot at the right time. And the team that isn't getting hot at the right time is the Whipsnakes. So obviously a huge disappointment for them. Um, you know, they did, they went on that 4-1 run and then they didn't score, you know, till the fourth quarter. Um, and at that point it was just, you know, it was too late for them to kind of make a comeback. Um, so I asked Coach Stagnita about the status of Matt Rambo. Obviously we talked a little bit about it uh, earlier. Um, but let's hear what he had to say both about Matt Rambo and, you know, his team's larger issues that extend beyond, you know, missing the presence of Matt. Look, Matt's a great player. Uh, we're hoping that we'll have him back in Albany. Um, Matt's not a magic, he's not a magic dart or bullet. He's not going to necessarily fix what we have to fix right now. Um, he certainly will bring some, uh, you know, he, he, he gives us, uh, 
you know, he gives us another weapon, and he's certainly a, a, a veteran and a proven player. Um, but there's other things that, that we need to do better, and it doesn't matter if Matt's out there or not. If we don't do those things better, uh, we're going to struggle. So you heard Coach Stagnita. Obviously, they really want Matt Rambo back. They're hoping for Albany. Might not be Albany. Might be more like Salt Lake City. We'll see. We'll be monitoring that situation. But at the end of the day, he thinks there's more issues that they need to fix. Um, you know, it's not just not having Matt Rambo. Obviously, Matt Rambo being on this offense is going to make a big difference. But, you know, they're just not looking good on defense. Kyle Bernler's just not playing well. Um, I, he's just been in a funk lately. I, I don't know what it is because we really don't haven't seen a lot of bad games from him during his career. And even when he has bad games, he tends to bounce back, you know. So I don't know. Any thoughts on, you know, his play or just this team as a whole, what they kind of need to do to get right at him? Yeah, I mean, if any team in this league has the capabilities of kind of flipping a switch, they've already won in the past, right? They're, they're the reigning two-time champion. If anyone has the capabilities uh, of turning things around uh, in a short period of time, I think it's Coach Staggs uh, and, and this roster who's proven to be able to win in the past. You know, this this may be a, a slump for them, but uh, if they can can have a strong week, uh, final week in the regular season, maybe uh, at, see what uh, a guy like Gutty can do in there for them. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to want to see uh, the whips in the first round of the playoffs. Obviously they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think uh, that's something that a, a lot of people are, are going to want to see they're, they're down for right now. But when, when guys like Jay Carlson continue to produce uh, Brad Smith uh, is continually underrated in this league. I, I, as much as they're disappointing kind of, and I, as coach Stagg said, they're, they're disappointed in their play right now. Uh, I think they can turn it around pretty quickly with the caliber of players they have on their squad. Yeah, no, and you get a, a you know, game. We mentioned how well Jake Weathers played. Uh, you know, Joe Nardella, five for eighteen at the stripe. Like, that's just so not Joe Nardella. That's just yeah. not what we're accustomed to. Um, and Kyle Bornlor did make some big saves. You know, when he needed to in this game, they were he was asked to play a lot of, on defense. So you know, I don't want to like completely shift all the blame onto him um, because you know this defense needs to to give him some help too as well. I mean, he actually, I'm looking at his stats now. He made 14 saves in this game. Yeah. Um, I think where I, I still think he's struggling though, is outside shots tend to be an issue for him. He gave up two, two pointers in this one. Um, you know, sometimes he's been giving up some easy shots that we're just not accustomed to seeing him give up, which yeah. I think is why it's kind of amplified a little bit, um, you know, his issues, but um, you know, again, they, they have a little buy to kind of get right. I was shocked that they came out and kind of laid an egg in this one, but um, you know, get final stretch here. I, I think if there's any team that's as well coached as the whip snakes are, um, I think they can really turn it around, but, uh, definitely, you know, definitely going to see more, need to see more from them in Albany. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you look at kind of just the breakdown uh, of that game against the dogs. I mean, they were, it, it's pretty close. If you take out that third quarter, right. The, the dogs mm-hmm. scored seven goals to, to none for the whip. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a game of margins, right. And when, when you, uh, put lay an egg like that in a quarter you're you're not going to win a game in this league with how competitive it is so um i, I fully expect uh a, a, a different looking maybe uh more energized squad uh going into the this final week of the regular season so and, and this is that regular season we'll talk about in a little bit but um it, it's the time to try things so uh, a trade like getting gutty is with a week left 
them having the ability to to get him in there, see what works, see see what what happens. Obviously, they're still trying to get that one seed. Uh, like you said, it's pretty unlikely, but they're still trying uh, to to win those games and get that. But uh, they have the opportunity and the wiggle room to really kind of try things and uh, get right uh, going into the playoffs. No, absolutely. And if there's a team that has, you know a bunch of pieces on all facets of the game, you know, and adding a piece like guttering is just going to amplify that. So yeah, I definitely think the webs can turn it around, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be, you know, watching and dogs moving on to the second game. What do you say? Dogs are absolutely barking though at this point in the season. They, they are. Yeah. We got to give some love to the dogs for sure. And we did, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it, I think this, honestly, this game t- says more about the water dogs than it does yep. the whip snakes. Um, you know, I think the water dogs just came to play and, um, they have all the pieces. They, they are finally the team that we thought they were in the off season. So um, yeah, got to give some credit to them too. Now, moving on, we had the Chrome taking on the Buffalo bandits. I'm sorry, the, the chaos um, in this one. <laughs> and the it was a tale of two halves in this one. Um, the chaos, as I mentioned, the, the bandits players for them really came out and played. chase Fraser D three guy and Newman uh, really, you know, coming into his own on this team, obviously has so much chemistry with those guys, but yeah, Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, Chris Cloutier and Chase Frazier, all roommates, along with Ian McKay. But those four guys combined for 10 of the goals, <laughs> 10 of the 14 goals for the chaos, and all but the two-pointer from C.J. Costabile, they had a hand in all of them, you know, whether assisting. So um, the roommates had a great weekend. I'm sure they had a great time uh, when they finally got back home. But, um, yeah, it, it's funny just to, to watch, like, all these Bandits players you know, ball out on the chaos, but uh, yeah, it, they, they played really, really well in that first half. Um, they let the Chrome kind of sneak back in though, which is again, where I have issues with this defense is, you know, you got to play four quarters. We saw that in the championship last year, they played three or eight quarters and they laid an egg in that fourth quarter. And the one quarter can really, you know, turn things around for a team and give another team momentum. But yeah, so they, they cut out to a pretty commanding lead nine, two run uh, Chrome inch back a little bit, nine, four, but it ended up being 10, four at half. And it looked like, you know, all the momentum was on the chaos side, but um, Chrome came back out and they, they weren't willing to die yet. You know, they wanted to keep their season alive. Obviously they didn't get the win that they needed. Um, but man, shout out to Kevin Rogers. You've been preaching, singing his praises for a while, former D three guy again from Lynchburg. Um, you know, played at high point for a year. Uh, he had four goals in this game, including a two pointer, three of his goals came in the second half to kind of lead that, that charge uh, and that comeback. Um, but any thoughts on this Chrome's effort kind of in the second half, like, does it give you enough to believe that they can win this game against the cannons and actually, you know, maybe make a run in the playoffs or do you still think it's just a little too late at this point? Yeah, I just don't think they're gelling, right? I, it's it's just it's just not there for me. I mean, uh, it, little sneak peek. I'm picking the cannons in in the the game picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that's that's the route uh, that that it's going to end up. And going to the the chaos side of things, I mean, that uh, is something. The letting a team come back in, in the second half like that mm-hmm. is something they're really going to have to kind of keep an eye on going into the playoffs. You know, Blaze is continually playing out of his mind be, between the pipes. I mean, he had again twenty saves uh, in this one, sixty six percent, which is basically what every goalie's dream is, right? Saving two thirds of your shots is is uh, elite. So, I mean, he he's just been dominant all season again. Yeah, and that's what you just come to expect from Blaze Reardon. You know, two-time Oren Lyons goaltender of the year for a reason. Um, and I, I would just – I feel like every week I'm typing, you know, plus 60% save percentage for him, you know, you know, double digits saves or whatever. And yeah. I went back and I looked at the numbers. During his three years in the PLL, Blaze has never had a game where he's recorded less than 10 saves. It's uh, unreal. And a lot of these games, like, 
he's always still plus 50 in save percentage. So he's averaged a 59% save percentage through the 24 games in these three seasons. Um, and 16 and a half saves average over these 24 games, 16 and a half average. That's just unheard of. Like, you know, like you're happy if you make 10 saves for a goalie, especially in this league and blaze is averaging 16 and a half. So he deserves a lot of love. I, I love too, like his style. And it's, it's really an interesting case study. I know Jake Watson, Joe Keegan are always talking about this, but he plays what they like to call this butterfly style that we kind of see in hockey. And it's interesting because, you know, I was like, okay, that's interesting. You know, he, he likes to save, you know, with his, his legs, his knees or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's a unique thing about him, but like, I'm like trying to understand, like, why is that so unique? And I kind of realized from, you know, again, reading some of their discord and it's not only does he save a lot with his legs, he doesn't move his stick down low. He prefers to kind of, again, do that butterfly technique where he's saving with his legs and keeping that stick high. So that way, you know, if defender or if an attackman is trying to bait him, he's not dropping his stick low. He's still keeping it high that he can make those high saves. So I thought that was really interesting just watching him. He's a fascinating case study of what a goalie can do and, you know, this unique style that he plays. And it's obviously working based on those stats. So got to give him a lot of love um, in this game. And, you know, the chaos, they sneak into the playoffs that way. They have two games coming up. Um, that they'll hope to win to get themselves a solid seed, but they have to be at least happy that they're not going to be sweating uh, a playoff spot come yeah. Albany. Now moving on to the final game, uh, Cannons versus Atlas. We've talked at length about the Atlas. Seven different goal scorers again in this game. Everyone eats. Um, but the Cannons gave them a little bit of, of some trouble, you know, throughout this game. Um, I think that's a testament to the Cannons. The Atlas were able to get it done, uh, but this one came down to the wire. Dan Bacaro put him up with like, I think seven minutes left in the game, um, a little bit, maybe under that. And this game looked like it was, you know, headed for the over and, you know, falling short by half a point on the under, but um, you know, Lyle Thompson, they give him the ball with a minute left. He gets it done and gets a goal and pulls the cans within one. And they unfortunately weren't able to get another goal to tie this game up. But uh, you know, I think that's just a testament to the Atlas, like really hunkering down, you know, you would like to see them maybe step on the throat a little bit more, but you know, Again, the cannons are that good as well on offense. To, they, they can put up points as well, especially when you have Lyle Thompson. But um, give me your thoughts more on the cannons. We've talked a little bit about the Atlas. Give me your thoughts more on the cannons going into this you know, pivotal matchup between the Chrome. Um, and what did you see from their game against the Atlas that you know, is leading you to pick them in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, you know, Nick Morocco between the pipes ha- had a strong game over 60% uh, in percentage and saves, 19 saves on the day. You know, talking about kind of what we're looking forward to, to next week against uh, the Chrome, I just think their offense is more put together, right? You know, they mm-hmm. obviously have Lyle, right? that not much needs to be said other than that Shane Jackson's picking it up at the right time. You know, we're talking about peaks. Shane Jackson had three goals on the day. Um, and I just think they're, they're a more balanced team when it, when it comes down to it. Um, we saw how, how, how well they played at the beginning of the season um, together. And I, I just think uh, when it comes down to the pick, I think their team is just put together better uh, at the moment with, with uh, comparative uh, to the, that Chrome squad. No, I agree. And, you know, when you have a team that went three for 20 at the stripe, yeah. 15% face-off percentage from Reisman, um, you know, t- tough. I mean, he's been put in a tough spot, you know, we'll, we'll give that to him because, you know, it's not easy coming into this league, um, learning a new rule set or whatever. He's obviously a great face-off guy, but he's just not at the caliber of some of these other guys. And the fact that this was a one-goal game, again, against the best team in the PLL right now, in my opinion, 
uh, just says that this team still has a chance. And again, I don't know how far they'll go in the postseason. They've been losing some close games. A lot of that's due to just lack of possessions. But again, you mentioned Nick Morocco. When you have Nick Morocco in cage, when you have Lyle Thompson on attack, you're always going to have a chance, you know, Brody Merrill commanding this defense. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think they're in a good spot. I, I don't know how much confidence I have in them making a long playoff run just because there's so many other teams that have, you know, dominant guys at every position where I don't think they necessarily have that, but again, you know, they, 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 they were able to get it done for the most part against Atlas. They fell just one goal short. So that leads me to believe that they at least have a chance going into this, uh, this playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we're not talking about them winning the championship, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. talking about two last place teams going against each other. Um, and when it comes down to it, I think at the moment they have the better roster and I think that's why they pull this one out. No, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, so yeah, those are our thoughts on the PLL. Obviously looking forward to that matchup in Albany coming up and then eventually the playoffs the week after. So it's certainly going to be fun. But those are our thoughts on the games this weekend. Now, Adam, let's go to our picks. We'll go back and forth on this. And in our first matchup of the weekend, we have the Whip Snakes taking on the Redwoods. Again, that rematch, that rivalry. Who do you like in this game? Yeah, you know, the Woods beat the, the Whips in the last game, but I, I think we're going to see a reinvigorated Whip squad going into this last weekend. I'm going Whips. I'm going Whips as well. Uh, I think they're due for a win. Um, the Redwoods had a really solid uh, game against the Archers despite the loss. Um, but I think, you know, these teams, it's always a toss-up when they're playing each other, and I, I think the Whips are going to come out to play. So I am picking them in this matchup. Bounce back Burnlore. Yeah, exactly. It's a bounce back for him, that defense, uh, and bounce back for Joe Nardella, who I think, you know, him against TD is going to be, a, you know, again, matchup. fun matchup again. It was the last time. It will be again this time, too. Uh, moving on to the second game of Friday night, Archer's Chaos. This is an interesting one. Um, Adam, who do you like in this game? Um, I think the Archers are going to be at the uh, closer to the top of the standings when it comes down to it at the end of the weekend. So I'm taking Archers for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I think this defense for the Archers is going to give the Chaos some fits. Um, you know, obviously Chaos are starting to find their groove on offense, but um, this Archers offense is just too good. And I think, um, you know, I don't think Blaze is going to get shelled because, again, he hasn't, you know, given up less than 54% save percentage uh, this whole season. So he's definitely going to come to play. But at the end of the day, I think the Archers are going to come out on top. They beat them earlier in the season. Um, so I think it's going to be another, it's going to be a close game. I think, I don't think the archers are going to, you know, beat them too handily, but I think the archers are finding their groove and the chaos still, you know, leave a little bit to be desired on the defensive end. So I'm going archers as well. Moving on to our Saturday matchups, Atlas water dogs, potential number one seed on the line. Who do you like in this one, Adam? As much, uh, as uh, I don't know if I've picked against the dogs all season, but, uh, I was spurned last week by the Atlas. not going to do it again. Ruby or in the Bulls, get the one seed heading in uh, to playoff weekend. I'm going Bulls as well. I agree. I think this Atlas team has just proven they can, you know, just score in a variety of ways. They just score, you know, a bunch of players. Everyone eats that, as they say. Um, now, I do look at this face-off matchup. Really interesting to me to see how Jake Weathers neutralized Joe Nardella so well against the Whip Snakes. I think it's going to be similar between him and Baptiste and they both are face off Academy guys. So they have some history with each other. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. They obviously go up against each other too. When with Withers on the Halifax Thunderbirds and Baptiste on the wings. So again, this is going to be another matchup to watch. We're getting two great matchups at the stripe this weekend and TD and Nardella and then Withers and Baptiste. So definitely one that I have circled on my calendar, but 
can't bet against the Atlas. Um, you know, I think Colorado too, unsung hero has been playing really, really well. And I hope that he can continue to do that, um, against a water dogs team that has been lethal on offense, but overall, I think the, the Atlas get it done. Moving on to our early playoff matchup between the cannons and Chrome. One of these teams is going to make the playoffs. One of these teams is going to be sent home packing in their only game of the weekend. Adam, you already hinted at it. You like the cannons. Tell me a little bit why. Their roster is just more compatible right now. And I mean, I want to see Lyle Thompson in the playoffs. That, no, that, I agree. That when it comes down to it, I, I want to see Lyle uh, in the playoffs when it matters. Obviously, this is basically the playoffs already for them. Uh, so he dials it up uh, a couple notches for this week, and he does once the playoffs start. That's why I'm taking Cannons. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's uh, definitely something uh, you know that I would be shocked if Lyle Thompson's not in the playoffs. It could very much happen. And this Chrome team, you know, have shown you know spurts of brilliance against the Whipsnakes against the archers, but I just don't think they're, they're meshing at the right time right now. I think too many injuries, the injury bug was not kind to them at all this season. Um, you know, missing Will Haas, missing Jesse Bernhardt, JT Dallas Harris never suited up for them. Randy Stotts never suited up for them. Jordan Wolf out after game one. It, you know, it's just pile. It's hard to overcome that. So I feel for this Chrome team. Um, and now, you know, they trade away Gutterding. I think Nick Grill, you know, will hopefully give them a little bit, you know, more of a presence on defense, but, um, overall, yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't see them getting it done against the Cannons. Um, you know, now if Connor Farrell, though, has a big day at the stripe, they could dominate this possession game. And I think that's the key to watch this matchup between him and Reisman. If he can, you know, get them a lot more possessions, it's definitely doable. But um, I'm going Cannons as well in this one, long story short. Now, our final two matchups of the weekend occur on Sunday. We have Redwoods taking on the Chaos. Chaos upset them in the last game. So, Adam, are you going Chaos or Redwoods in this one? keeping the chaos brewing, staying with that oh. coach Towers, going chaos to go in the playoffs with a dub. Now I, I was kind of on the fence about this one, ironically enough. Um, I also kind of thought leaned a little bit towards the chaos, just thinking, okay, they're, you know, they're going to be hungry for a win because I have them losing in their first matchup with the archers. But, you know, if you had to ask me, are the chaos going to go on to, or the Redwoods going to go on to on this weekend? I, I think I'd most likely think the chaos more yeah. than the Redwoods. So I'm going Redwoods in this one. I think the Redwoods had a solid game against the Archers. They got to limit the turnovers a little bit. Um, they obviously they're getting a, plenty of possessions from TD at the stripe. So they ha- they're a team that again has all the pieces. They just got to put it together. So I don't think they're going to get embarrassed by this chaos team. I don't think they're going to get shocked by them like they did the last time. I think they're going to come out and uh, and I don't know if it's you know going to be a, a sound victory, but I think they're going to come out with the victory in this one. And then our final matchup of the weekend. Archers whip snakes. Now, not likely the one seed game that we thought it might be earlier in the season, but definitely a lot of playoff implications and potentially, you know, the way things shake up, we could see a rematch of these two teams, you know, in Salt Lake city as well, but definitely going to have some playoff implications on the line, even though they're both, you know, got a spot in the playoffs. Um, Archers might be competing for this top seed, depending on how things shake out, but who are you liking this one, Adam? Yeah, I'm going Archers. I think they're going to go 2-0 on the weekend and uh, go into the playoffs buzzing. And a lot of people uh, going into the playoffs may pick them as uh, their potential champion. Yeah, I definitely think they're a team that could make it to the championship. Uh, I think the Whips could too on the flip side. But again, you know, I need to see a little bit more from the Whips. You know, if you ask me to pick this game, I'd probably want to wait till after Friday to give you an answer, but we're not, that's not how things work here. So um, I'm going Archers in this one as well. I just think the way they've been playing lately, even in their three losses, you know, they're all close losses um, leads me to believe they, they can handle the whip snakes this time around and, and get it done. 
those are our game picks from the weekend. We also were able to be joined by a member of the Water Dogs who's leading the team in cause turnovers, also a member of Panther City Lacrosse Club too, recently picked in the expansion draft, Liam Burns. So we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll toss an interview with him and go into our Athletes Unlimited discussion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Today on Pro Lacrosse Talk, we are joined by Liam Burns, Water Dogs defender in the PLL and member of Panther City Lacrosse Club's inaugural team in the NLL. Liam, thanks for joining us. How's it going today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're going to talk a little bit Water Dogs, a little talk about uh, Panther City Lacrosse Club as well. Um, but I want to kind of go back to how a West Islip native like yourself ended up going to Marquette um, and playing for the Golden Eagles. So for the listeners who don't know, West Islip is uh, on Long Island. Um, my high school career we were number one in the country two different times so very competitive program and throughout my four years there we sent probably close to 30 maybe 40 players to division one programs Um, I mean everybody in my senior class all 19 players all went on to play college lacrosse which is pretty incredible to think about but um, since it was such a good program and me kind of being like a late bloomer growing um I didn't really get any taller or bigger until my senior year of high school. I was overlooked because, as you know, back then, kids were recruited so early, like eighth grade, ninth grade. So all the big-time prospects and recruits, they were already committed. So there was no room at the D1 level for me. And originally, I was committed to Connecticut College. And that was all the way up until March of my senior year. And then, like, a month or two before that, Marquette announced they were going Division One. Coach Ample was at Hofstra on the time, only 30 minutes away from West Islip. And he's seen me play a few times and I guess had me in the back pocket. So he started reaching out to me and he was like, hey, I'm going out to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I know you've probably never been out there, maybe even never even heard of it. Do you want to take this chance with me? And I was like, you know what? This is, I've always wanted to play Division One. This is my last chance, my only opportunity to go Division One. So I rolled the dice and I went for it. No, and you certainly excelled there, um, playing five seasons there, I believe, right? Correct. That first year was pretty crazy. There was 20 guys who were lacrosse players that first year, but we didn't have a season. Mm-hmm. So we went there. We all knew we were going to get a redshirt year. And then that first year, to be honest, was kind of hell because <laughs> the NCAA, uh, NCAA rules didn't apply to us. So we were working out every day. We were running every day, practicing all fall. And there was really no light at the end of the tunnel because we had no games to look forward to. So imagine just a fall ball and then running it back, running it back again in the spring. That's what we did the first year. Wow. And then we had, (laughs) yeah. And then Ample brought in like 20 more guys who, as soon as they came in, they got in for a real season. So they kind of got off easy, I think. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, talk about your time there and kind of how it prepared you for making the jump to the pros. Um, You know, Kind of talk me through, you know, your transition from, you know, that red shirt freshman year to senior year. I think one thing that made us successful was um, Coach Amplo's commitment to win right away. 
I think other coaches, maybe at other program, like new programs particularly, would have been willing to accept kind of like, all right, we'll have a slow start. It's going to take a couple of years to build this thing. But from the get-go, Lampo was like, if you're coming here, you're going to be all in, and we're going to start winning games right away. And, I mean, our second game ever, we were playing Air Force, and we won, I think. It was either 8-6 or 10-8. It was a two-goal game. It was close, though. But we went out to uh, Colorado Springs, and we beat Air Force. Literally our second game ever, which was pretty crazy. And then every year we just kind of built, like, guys who've been playing together for three, four years at that point. Like, by the time I was a senior and retro senior, just great chemistry. Guys knew what um, it took to win. And then by that time I was a fifth-year senior, we had, like, me – DJ Grill, Jake Richard, a guy like Connor Gately at Attack, who played a couple games for the Rattlers, Ryan McNamara. So kind of a culmination over those five years and Amplo, uh, Coach Amplo's, it just instilling the work ethic in us is kind of uh, what made it all possible at the end of the day. No, that's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned some of those guys that are current pros as well. Um, BJ Grill's one who's actually your teammate. Talk a little bit about, you know, getting reunited with him on the Water Dogs team. Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, so I graduated from Marquette, me and BJ in 2016, and we hadn't played together since then. So it's been five years and it was pretty crazy because, I mean, we were roommates at Marquette and we spent pretty much every day together, either in the weight room or on the field. And then we had this five-year hiatus. So getting back and being on the field with him, um, it was funny just how easy things clicked. And it was like, there was no time off. Um, it's like we were back at Marquette together. It was great. It's been great. No, that's awesome. And currently, you know, you're leading the league in cause turnovers with 17 and this defense has really started to gel. You've only given up an average of 6.3 goals per game in your last three contests. How has this defense kind of been able to come together these past three weeks and, um, you know, kind of make this playoff push? Um, I think we just did a good job of like fitting all the pieces together, kind of figuring out who our core five defenders, like long pole defenders were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as like with any team early in the season, you have guys that you like and kind of shuffling guys in and out of the lineup to see what the perfect fit is. And I think it just took us a couple of games, whatever it was, four or five games to figure out what works, um, who the guys um, that have the best chemistry together are and who's going to be kind of like your on-ball defender, which we've figured out like is Ben Randall. He's going to cover the other team's number one guy every single time. You have Eli Goldbrecht, who's great. Um, number two cover guy, great at ground balls, physical, and then I'm kind of out there covering the off-ball guy floating around as the slide man. So just uh, kind of trying different things out and then figuring out how uh, everything fit together was the key. No, that's awesome. And what has Coach Copeland's message kind of been, too, you know, during your guys' – I don't want to say turnaround, but, you know, you've, you've put together a nice little win streak going into your final game of the, the season before playoffs. So um, what's kind of been the message in the locker room? I mean, we do – we had talent from day one. It was – just like trust the process pretty much mm-hmm. taking it from the Sixers there. Um, he He's pretty hands-off on the defense. I mean, he knows what to say like to the team and collectively he's more hands-on with the offense. Mm-hmm. So we have coach Bachlet back there. And um, like I said, he's pretty, he's willing to work with us, which is helpful at this pro level um, kind of listening to what the players want to do and what the scouting report should be. Whereas like a college coach or a high school coach is kind of their way or the highway. Mm-hmm. I think at this pro level, being more collaborative with the players is what's going to make a team most successful. And coach Copeland and coach Bachlet are uh, great at that. No, that's awesome. And I don't want to, you know, 
put any bulletin material out there, but you are playing the top team right now in the Atlas for that number one seed. If you guys win, you have a really high chance of getting that top seed in that first round by. So what are you guys kind of doing to prepare for the Atlas? So, I mean, we all know that it's in the back of our minds. Like if we win this game, we, like you said, we have a great chance of being in first place. Um, it's a, like pro lacrosse unique where we're not together. The players aren't together all week. So mm-hmm. for the listeners who don't know, like most of our games are Saturdays. You live whatever city you live in throughout the country and even Canada, Monday through Thursday, and you have your normal job. Mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, everyone hops on a flight and we go to whatever city the game's in come Saturday. So it's kind of unique where you have to prepare with a lot of Zoom calls, like text messages and group chats and finding a way to stay connected and communicate throughout the week. Um, that's what makes teams successful. So for us, this week is a bye week. It's been a little bit more low key, but um, a typical game week will be film, uh, a team Zoom call on a Tuesday, defensive specific Zoom call on a Wednesday, hammer home a few more points um, Thursday, and then everyone meets up Friday night for practice. Awesome. Yeah, no, and we're certainly looking forward to that, you know, final game of the regular season and you guys in the playoffs as well. Um, going off of the PLL, but now to the NLL. So you start off with the Swarm, um, and then you, you only played a couple of games, and then you ended up really coming in your own with the, the Wings. Talk a little bit about playing the box game. Had you ever played the box game before, and how was it making the adjustment if you hadn't before? Um, never played the box game. A um, couple Canadians at Marquette said that I should try out Junior A. Um, go up and live with one of them for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that never worked out, but they were like, you should really try and give it a go. And I, it was always interesting to me. And I knew graduating after like finishing up at Marquette, I wanted to do lacrosse full time and see how far I could go with the, pro, with the pro game. So I got drafted, like you said, to the Swarm. And I moved down to Atlanta right away after coming out of Marquette. Um, I still live down here now because of that. Mm-hmm. And there's like, it's just uh, such a different game compared to field. So there was an adjustment process to it that I think all Americans go through. And it, I didn't really play too much at all the first year. Um, I ended up living in Toronto that summer and playing senior A. And then after that, I got picked up by Philly. And Philly was great. Like it was an expansion team. So they needed players. The league has been putting an emphasis on more Americans getting involved in that game. Mm-hmm. So coach Paul Day, um, he gave me a chance. Shout out to him. And uh, so I spent three years with Philly, and that, that was great. Um, every year, like, an expansion team's tough. It seems like I've been with a bunch of them between Water Dogs, Philly, and now uh, Fort Worth. But mm-hmm. um, it's kind of just same stuff as pretty much every other team. Get as the best level of chemistry possible as early on, and that's what makes a team successful. And uh, Coach Paul Day was great at that, so – Shout out to him. Uh, thanks to him for giving me a chance in Philly, but now I'm excited to see what I could do in Fort Worth with Coach Tracy Koloski. No, that's awesome. And, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, finding out that you were drafted by Panther City Lacrosse Club and what have kind of been the conversations with uh, Coach Koloski. So TK, that's what we call him. He mm-hmm. was the Wings offensive coach. So that was my connection to him. And once I heard that he was going to be the coach of Fort Worth, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, okay, he's going to, take me me and him like had a good connection um Mm -hmm. those couple of years in philly and so as soon as they announced uh when the draft was going to be he called me about two days later and he said you're the guy we're going to take and 
at first I was uh, hesitant or skeptical to go to a new team, right? We've been building with Philadelphia for the last three years mm-hmm. before the COVID break. Um, we were like 10 and four. We were having a great season. We brought in new guys. Like we, that is a championship team. Like they're built and ready to go for that. So I didn't want to leave that team, but um, it's always exciting kind of starting something new and getting hands-on um, from the get-go. So I know TK's, we got like a great coaching staff coming in. TK's super excited. I know there's um, a lot of support within Fort Worth. I don't know if there's really any other pro teams down there, but um, I don't know if you know, we're playing at a, the Dickies Arena. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible, like $500 million facility that they built for rodeos, mostly down there. But Coach TK, he's saying that it's one of the nicest facilities he's ever seen for pro lacrosse, and uh, he can't wait to get everyone down there to see it. Yeah, no, it's awesome to see kind of the expansion you know, into the, you know, Texas and Midwest area. Um, have you talked with any of your other teammates um, or even, you know, GM Bob Hamley a little bit, um, anybody else within that organization? Um, yeah, we had a Zoom call, kind of a icebreaker, get to know everybody. Mm-hmm. There's a couple guys that we have on the roster who I played with before, guys like Connor Sellers or Liam Patton. Actually, Connor Kelly was a fellow water dog. He got drafted also. Mm-hmm um tk says he's or he plans on bringing everybody down sometime in the fall to see the city kind of get acclimated and meet the rest of the uh the management staff and people behind the scenes like that but um other than that it's been kind of low-key slow to start once we get Mm -hmm. closer to the season obviously it'll be more like get guys down there um, get ready for camp what to expect and things like that you know, and we're certainly looking forward to seeing the 14th NLL team take the floor this coming winter. Now moving on, I want to move on to our five and five segment. I'll ask you five lacrosse questions and I'll ask you five off the field questions. More quick hitters. Feel free to elaborate if you want, but these can kind of be quick answers. And the first one I have for you, what are some pregame routines that you have? Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, awesome. Do you make and are you a guy that like layers up the peanut butter or are you kind of more half and half? Heavy peanut butter, grape jelly, um, two slices of bread. I've two seen guys that'll tri- triple stack it. That's not me, though. <laughs> That's ambitious. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely a heavy pe- peanut butter guy myself. I feel like you got to do it on both sides of the bread. You can't just do it on one side. and That way you get that consistency. Exactly. Um, moving on, number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? And that can be in box or field. Can we go back to college days? Yeah, absolutely. University of Denver hands down um people at denver come out like full support of that program you got jojo board drummer banging the drums the whole freaking game and uh kind of like a fun fact that's one of the few college stadiums that sells uh alcohol at the game so the fans are always particularly rowdy there so it was always good playing there yeah i love going out there i didn't realize jojo uh goes out to the denver games either i know you know from his outlaws uh just presence that he's always at he used to be at those games but uh that's pretty cool yeah that guy bleeds lacrosse so he goes to every uh college and pro game out there possible yeah that's awesome number three what is your current stick setup in terms of head shaft and stringing and obviously you know you have a deep hole in the field and a shorter stick um in the indoor but you know how's it kind of vary so as far as like what stick I use, I don't, I know I have uh, an ECD head on an Epic shaft. That's as much as I know about the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the string setup though, much shallower pocket than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, ball comes out really smooth pretty early. Um, I know 
some guys will see the stick and they're like, how do you cradle at this? But <laughs> something that I've kind of picked up from box and living with a couple of Canadians that played like that. Um, that's, that's my go-to setup. But um, for box, it's pretty similar. I try to use a wider head in box, mm-hmm. knock down more passes, a little easier for ground balls. And then in fields, uh, more of a pinched type head. Awesome. And then number four, who's your funniest teammate on the water dogs? Mikey Schlosser. He's a character. What, what, any, any stories from, you know, hanging out with him? I mean, he kind of just like lives up to uh, that persona that you would think with his, his great look, like his mullet with the mustache and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great guy overall. I mean, I'm sure in this like week off, he'll fish every day of the week and he'll golf five days a week. The guy, he like, he lives to have a good time and loves, uh, loves lacrosse and loves winning with the water dogs. He's great to be around. That's awesome. Uh, number five, if they made a PLL or NLL video game, who would you say deserves to be on the cover? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think that I'm was going to be your toughest one, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably Lyle. I think He, could, he just, could fit on both. <laughs> exactly. For that reason, that's why I picked him. Um, maybe like PLL, go with a guy like Connor Kelly, I think would be good. Mm-hmm. NLL, go with. The, uh, the young buck, the up-and-comer, Jeff Teat. Um, everyone, hopefully, I mean, you've seen, like, how he's taken the PLL by storm in those couple of games mm-hmm. that he's been playing. Um, I think we're going to see the same thing once the NLL season starts. No, absolutely. I think uh, he is as advertised. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing him. He's incredible. Uh, yeah. And you get to play him this week, too, uh, <laughs> with the Atlas. <laughs> I'm excited to see it firsthand, yeah. <laughs> And moving on to the off the field questions, what are some hobbies or activities that you enjoy doing when you're not playing lacrosse? I coach a lot. <laughs> um, I do a lot of lacrosse overall. Um, I'd say to stay in shape, I bike a lot. Awesome. I don't really like to run during the week, just as I'm getting older, it's too much impact. I know mm-hmm. I'm sounding like an old man saying that, but <laughs> um, I've really picked up biking in the last two or three years. So that's something I like to do. Awesome. And then uh, number two, who's a player in another sport that you enjoy watching? I was a big Eli Manning fan growing up and then uh, moving out to Milwaukee for college, huge Aaron Rodgers guy. So gotcha. my team is still the Green Bay Packers. So I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Awesome. And he did report to camp. He is playing this season. So it's, that's probably pretty exciting. <laughs> I was happy to see that. Did you see what he said the other day, though? He wasn't happy with the management of the Green Bay uh, Yeah, he, he kind of let him have it, I think. You know, I feel like that was uh, – yeah. it was nice to get it from him, too, because we keep hearing all this stuff through, like, Adam Schefter and the media. It was nice to actually get it from the mm-hmm. source, though. Yeah, I don't know if it's warranted or not from his mm-hmm. aunt, or from him, but uh, I'm just glad that he signed back with the boys. Absolutely. Well, it's not the same not having him uh, play. So, yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't really have a strong opinion on, you know, if that's how he feels that way, that's how he feels, but definitely looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing him play. Number three, what is your favorite spot to vacation? Uh, living in Atlanta, getting down to Florida is probably the most convenient and the most fun. Um, my most fun vacation ever, though, I went to Europe with – um, a couple of lacrosse guys, Shane Jackson, Mark Matthews, Austin Shanks, and Jake Withers. And this was what fall of 2019 before COVID started and everything. Once our uh, MLL season ended, we hopped on a plane. We went to London. We hit up Rome, Florence, Prague, wow, and then a couple other cities. So it was like a two-week uh, Euro trip with some great lacrosse guys. 
No, that sounds fun. You you live with Shane Jackson right now too. I think Shane mentioned on the. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, moving on, what is your favorite meal? And do you prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home? I know you mentioned the PB and J's, but uh, what's your kind of overall favorite meal? I never cook, <laughs> so I always either get to go or go out to a place. Um, big like Mexican fa- uh, Mexican food fan, Chipotle. A um, couple local Atlanta restaurants, but um, I'm gonna say I have Mexican style food four or five nights a week. Awesome. Number five, what's a book or podcast that you have uh, read or listened to that you'd recommend? Or it can even be a TV show or a movie that you've been binging. Um, I love part of my take. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I listen to that one pretty much every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That fits uh, with which, uh, Big Cat, you know, being your exactly. unofficial owner. So. <laughs> so do you listen to that uh, pod? I do. I, I do listen to part of my take. I don't probably listen to it as religiously as some people, but I uh, always enjoy him, uh, his bashing of you guys, even though it's definitely not warranted. After we good won this weekend, he actually Venmoed Ryland Reese 200 bucks. And <laughs> oh, he for said, the beers? Go, go get some beers with the boys. Yeah. I didn't know if that was real or if that was just Ryland just, uh, you know, saying, oh, you know, thanks for the, the beers. Cause uh, I thought that was just, I didn't know if that was actually real or not. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Big cat came through. It was pretty funny. Um, so that's the main pod I'd say I, um, I'd recommend for others to listen to. That's awesome. Um, and that kind of wraps up the five and five. I always like to end on one question. Um, what is some advice that you have for young players looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? Play as many positions as possible early on in your career. Um, something that was unique for me growing up is I had two coaches who were division one, all Americans and they, they made everyone use short sticks and play all different positions all the way through seventh grade. And I think knowing how to play both sides of the ball, um, get playing with the short stick for better stick skills. Um, those are all just skills early on in your career that'll help you be a better player in whatever position you eventually do settle on. So kind of just playing as much as possible, um, just mini games, different. So you're in different scenarios as a player and then mm. play different sports when you're young, like, no sense in burning yourself out being a full-time lacrosse player at that um, when you're so young and that at that age, have fun with it. Uh, play soccer, play football, play basketball. I think basketball is a great sport that uh, translates a lot or a lot of skills translate over to lacrosse. Um, just getting out there and being in different scenarios and keeping it as much fun as possible. So you don't get burned out is the key. No, I like that. That's definitely some great advice for our young listeners. We certainly appreciate you hopping on, Liam. Um, Again, take care. Enjoy your flight and uh, look forward to seeing you guys face the Atlas coming up this coming weekend in Albany. Great. Thanks, man. This was good. All right. So you just heard from Liam Burns. We appreciate him hopping on the podcast, talking a little bit about Panther City, talking a little Water Dogs. Now let's dive into this Athletes Unlimited discussion, Adam. Um, Great weekend for the yeah. sport. Again, the, the highlights continue to come. I, I think somehow it topped week one. You know, week one was great to have the day. Yeah. Week two was even better. Alex Oss made her return. She had that first goal in that uh, for t- Team Wood in that first game and then ended up, you know, setting the record for five goals in a single game. That was the record at the time. Sam Apuza would match that. Kylie O'Miller would match that. So I think that record's probably going to be broken pretty soon the yeah. way at this rate. Um, but we also had our first overtime game. Kenzie Kent getting it done for Team Wood. Uh, Kayla Wood has not lost a game in Athletes Unlimited. I, I got to check and see if there's other, I'm sure there's a few other players that haven't lost a game either if they've been on Team Gold back-to-back weeks. But Kayla Wood has yet to lose a game. 
Um, and she's a captain again, heading into this weekend as well. Um, but overall thoughts on this weekend and these six games, uh, unfortunately the one final game had to get, uh, moved to another site and we yeah. weren't able to watch it live, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, five games were televised where we were able to watch, we were able to watch one of those games on lacrosse playground YouTube. Um, in that sixth game, I think the social team did a great job of filling yeah. us in the details and, you know, giving us highlights, even when that game wasn't televised. So overall, Good job. And any thoughts, Adam, from Athletes Unlimited? Yeah, it was just an absolute blast to watch all weekend. I mean, the ladies are, are absolutely showing out, whether it's uh, Tucks Kylie Miller, uh, as, as you were putting out there, or, you know, Ka- Katie Glenn coming up with a game-winning save, right, to, to beat uh, Kayla Trainer's orange squad. Uh, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal uh, weekend uh, for, for the AU, you know. And, you know, you mentioned the overtime game, right? For those of you who don't know, if the overtime, if no one scores in overtime, there's going to be a shootout. So I hope at, we get at least one shootout. We need one. Uh, just, just one. I'm only asking for, for one, guys. Just just one. Uh, I want to see it happen. Exc- excited to see that. But, I mean, absolute dominant performance by, by Kayla Wood squad. Uh, she stays golden uh, of, and heading in uh, to week three. So it was just awesome to watch. Uh, and I can't wait to see more coming up for week three. Yeah, and the parity in this league is just amazing too, you know, between teams switching each week and, you know, so, so many close games. There was only one game that was decided by four goals. A lot of these games were really tightly contested. Team Warden lost by one goal in all three of her games. So that was a really, you know, tough for Team Purple. Yeah. Um, and Sam Apuzo, I think, continues to play really, really well. Like she's not getting those game win points, unfortunately, but she's still like at the top just based on the fact that she keeps putting up a lot of individual points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, credit to her. And that's why she was back-to-back, you know, top picks in these, you know, drafts uh, for a reason. And you mentioned Haley Warden's squad losing each game uh, by a goal. Last week, we had a squad lose by four total goals in all three games. So you, you mentioned it. Every week is parity primarily because – the squads are looking so different every week, right? It, it'll be interesting to see heading down uh, the final stretch later on in the season, you know, are drafts going to be made, draft picks going to be made to kind of get a player that's closer to the top of the leaderboards against one another mm. on the other squad, right? To, to make sure you stay atop, she's not winning the, those win points, right? So it'll be interesting to see kind of the calculated moves that kind of happen uh, as the, down the stretch for this AU season. Yeah, the strategy game. I didn't even really think about that. That's a, that's a very good point. Because you look at Kayla Wood is obviously you know, at the top of the leaderboard. So everyone's, you know, kind of vying for that spot. Yeah. So do you see teams, you know, maybe target players that, you know, still, you know, fit their scheme and what they want to do, but that they're kind of going head to head against. So that, that's a great point. You know, and you have, you know, Kylie O'Miller and Dempsey Arsenault are back as captains. So all three of them are, you know, captains for the second time uh, this season. So, yeah, very, very interesting um, to see. Um, and, you know, I think the, the makeup of these teams, again, is very, very interesting, too. I, I was really hoping Dempsey got to be captain again this week. I was really hoping she was able to reunite the BC3. Um, Sam Apuzo, though, of course, went first overall again. Um, she was able to get Kenzie Ken on her team. So we're looking forward to seeing, you know, those two suiting up together um, again, at, you know, since their college days. It's been a while. So um, definitely looking forward to that. But, yeah, let's go into our game picks, Adam. Um, obviously, you know, we, these rosters, again, we're going to say it every week. They're stacked because that's just how it are. There's so yep. many good players. We even had a few additions as well, which I think are going to highlight a little bit later, but um, give me your picks for these six games. Who do you like as MVPs? Game one pick Kayla Wood. 
I don't think either of us have picked her through two weeks and she's been at the top of the leaderboards through two weeks. It's kind of insane for us to not pick her. So I'm going her game one. She's at the top. So she's going to be my top pick uh, game two. I'm going Alyssa Perella. I loved watching her game out of Hofstra. I think she's had a phenomenal start in two weeks. Um, and, and I think she's going to have another phenomenal week three. Uh, Alex Oss, talk about coming out, uh, not playing week one and, and making up for it uh, at close uh, to the top of the standings after uh, just one week of play. She's currently ranked 19th on the leaderboard and she's only played one week. So I fully expect her to uh, keep moving up those ranks uh, as the next few weeks go along. And, and she uh, is going to have a number, another phenomenal week. Uh, Taylor Cummings, I picked for game four. Uh, Marie McCool, you see a, a, a trend going on. Those top players are, are, are my top picks this week. Uh, but with my last peak, pick uh, is a player we have not seen yet and I'm super excited to see her at the field is uh, Amanda Johansson. Uh, I'm real been looking forward to watching her play. Uh, she's been out due to injury but she'll be back this week. She is she'll be playing uh, for team Ole Miller purple this week so I'm really excited uh, to see her hit the field and I think she's gonna uh, make a difference for team Ole Miller and I think have a great weekend. So my last pick uh, is Amanda Johansson. And then who do you like for MVP, Adam, for the weekend? When it comes uh, to my MVP uh, for the weekend, she's been atop the whole time. Uh, we haven't picked her yet, and I think she deserves it. Uh, going Kayla Wood uh, as my weekend MVP. I like it. I like it. I'm not making that mistake as well. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely picking her. Um, not this first game, but uh, later in the weekend. But, yeah, my picks, I'm going with Kenzie Kent to start the weekend. Um, again, back with MCR Sonat. I thought she's played really, really well um, this whole athletes unlimited season so far um love watching her play love seeing the little hockey nuances to her yep. style of play too uh, second game of the weekend marie mccool love watching her in that carolina blue uh last weekend um i think she's playing really really well she overcame a lot of tough losses for her team and team benson in that first yep. weekend and is still sitting at the top um towards the top of this leaderboard so i like her a lot and then kayla wood in the third game, like I mentioned, I, you know, I have to pick her in one of these games because she's just continues to sit at the top. And then Britt Reed, um, she's a captain. Uh, her and Kaylee Waters have played really, really well during this tournament. And uh, I'm really liking how they've been playing. Uh, obviously, it, it led to Britt Reed getting named a captain. So I like her to play well in this game. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love uh, the Britt Reed pick. And you mentioned uh, the goalie play. We have three goalies currently in the top 10 on the standings with, with Britt being a captain, Kaylee Waters and Katie Glenn uh, in cage as well. So we, the goalie play has been phenomenal thus far in the AU. And it just shows the parity that we have so many different positions in the top 10. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's why, you know, I wanted to pick her uh, in this game and then moving on, you know, Someone that I think is flying a little under the radar, but had some highlight real goals this weekend too, is Courtney Fortunato, yep. you know, out of Notre Dame. Um, I've really liked the way she's played. So I have Courtney, you know, as my pick for this fifth game. And then wrapping up, Sam Apuzo, I gave her a little bit of love earlier. She had a five-goal performance for Team Warden in that second game. So I, I think she's going to, you know, again, kind of sit at the top. I, I'm hoping that her team can get some, you know, some wins together because right now she's a little struggling in the, the win point column. Um, but she's playing at a high level and that's, you know, a testament to why she's been back-to-back top picks in this athletes unlimited drafts each week. So I like her to wrap up the weekend game six, my MVP pick for the weekend mentioned her earlier, Marie McCool, uh, first two pointer in athletes unlimited history in week one, she had a nice assist to Dempsey arsenal for them to win that game in week two. And I think she's going to have a big weekend in week three. So I like Marie McCool to be my MVP of this weekend. 
So those are our picks. I'm a little bit behind the standings right now. Adam is in the lead. I made up some ground though. I ended up winning this week. So I made up some ground, but I'm going to make up a little bit more going forward. Um, but that wraps up our discussion of athletes unlimited. Um, again, always fun to talk PLL trades, news, you know, thoughts in the playoff system. That's always fun. Always fun to talk athletes unlimited. And again, it was a jam packed weekend. Uh, we're only going to have six games now this weekend coming up with athletes unlimited. But when we return the following weekend, for that final weekend in the regular season for PLL, we're getting six games um, from both PLL and Athletes Unlimited. So we're getting 12 total lacrosse games. So can't wait for that. Um, but that wraps up another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We appreciate everyone tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Um, that really helps us move up in the ratings and bring you an episode um, as frequently as we do. But we certainly appreciate you guys listening. And we thank you for tuning in, as always, to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. <laughs>